right, guys, welcome back to the It's Not Just a Game podcast. I'm your host, Chrissy Sanders. Um, Today, I'm going to be talking to a really, really special guest. But before I get into the episode, I just want to remind you guys that I'm not going to ever sell you guys a $99 course or anything like that on here. But um, one, what I do need from you guys that if you find value in the content, Please make sure that you uh, share it with someone um, in a meaningful way, not just, you know, randomly post it and people don't know, but share it, tag me in it um, and also uh, leave a review Um, because it helps other people find the show. And also when you leave a review, make sure that you put something about your business in uh, the review uh, so that people can contact you and um, and actually have a little mini uh, commercial for your business Um, when I see it. I will definitely read one on air, um, you know, so that so that at that point I can support you for supporting the podcast. All right. So with that said, let's get into the episode. All right. So I got um, a really special guest here. I have um, author and founder of uh, the memo, uh, Minda Hearts here. Minda, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Chrissy. No problem. I'm so excited that you're here because, um, uh, so if you guys aren't familiar with Minda, Minda, uh, runs a personal development, um, like a a women's personal development, um, a type of company called the memo. And on top of that, she wrote a really, really great book that was so needed, uh, for a lot of women of color, like for the longest. Right. Um, and it's called the memo. In uh, securing your seat at the table, and I and I thought I would have her here because there are so many women of color in the sports industry and entertainment, and uh, they they don't they they don't really know exactly how to navigate it properly and secure their seat, um, especially while you know it's a very pro female time. Do you agree with that, Minda? Absolutely, I, I absolutely believe it, and and especially during the 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 remote working experience right now we need self advocacy more than ever yeah yeah i i agree with you and i mean i kid you not like when i first read your book you know first when i first saw it i was like this is literally like it, and this was even before i i met you on twitter or anything like that when i first saw the book i was like dude where have you been like like you know this is literally like the lean in for women of color um and you even mentioned in your book um you know and I don't want to give too much away but like so your your whole um you started being inspired by like corporate activism through um kind of like oddly enough the Trevon Martin case can you like share how you got in got involved with this yeah, um thanks for asking. You know, for me, I you know, first generation college student, first person in my family to have a corporate job and so you go into some of these environments a little green thinking that, you know, if you work the hardest, you you get to the top and we know that that's not always the case and for me, I you know, the advice I was given was work hard and keep your head down and and that's what I did for so long and while I was doing that, I didn't realize Christy that all these other things were happening around me, uh, not just bias and microaggressions, but, um, you know, inequalities. And I was always the only black person, woman of color in my space. And so I, it just got lonely. And then I finally kind of woke up, if you will. And, um, and it was around the time of Trayvon Martin. And it just hit me really hard. Like, you know, what am I doing for our community? What am I doing to make the workplace better? 
uh, for women coming behind me that look like me. And it was in that moment that I said, you know, my authentic way of advocating may not be the same way as the Black Lives Matter movement, but I have to do something to add <clears throat> add to the work that that they're doing and that others who've come before us. And so my way was looking at what I had, right, and what I could do. And it was advocating or figuring out how to advocate for women of color in the workplace. Yeah, I think that's so important because it's so funny that you should say that how like a lot of times we're taught about kind of keeping our head down and thinking that basically merit and our work will shine through. I mean, I I think about, you know, when I started my corporate journey, I'm 28 and like I I like rose up uh to like, you know, through the corporate ladder pretty quick. And um oddly enough, a lot of the things that I did you know, Minda, I, I was watching white guys do, you know what I mean? Like, like you said about, uh, all the self-help books you read. So when I was uh, coming up, I joined the country clubs, I learned golf, I did all the things, you know, and like you said, and oddly enough, I was still experiencing, like I, I was making the right money, doing the right things and was still experiencing all the microaggressions. And like, can you speak to, um, and, and I know I've dealt with it before, what type of like, what that kind of plays on even the most qualified female colors kind of psyche a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and which I don't think a lot of people talk about. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, right? Like we're not talking about it enough. And so um, it makes it like some isolated situation. Like it's only happening over there, right? But many of us are are dealing with it each and every day, you know, sometimes, excuse me, <clears throat> a few times a day. And so I think we have learned, we've been conditioned uh, as Black women, as women of color to settle into it, right? This is as good as it gets. You're getting this check, sit down somewhere and be a good girl, right? And, and don't realize how, um, how emotionally taxing, how physically ta- taxing that is to you because we learn to silence ourselves. And so we don't speak up on those things. And then we just settle into it. And I think for so long, that's what I did. And I thought, wow, I'm really doing obviously myself a disservice. But, you know, I'm crying the same tears that my grandmother cried in her job early, you know, many years before. And I don't want the next generation of women of color to feel like they have to cry about the same things, too. And I think we we have to and we have to lean into that courage. It's hard, right, to to speak up. But to your point, when we have certain networks in play, hopefully we wouldn't be the only one advocating for ourselves, but we have people who we built relationships with inside the workplace that can vouch for us, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, that is so true. It's interesting, like you said, about crying the same tears as our grandma, and we're basically doing it, you know, you know, from, you know, our benzes instead, but <laughs> crying the same tears. Yeah, same ones, same ones they were experienced in a different setting, right? But in a similar, but the same hurts, you know? Exactly. So, um, you know, I want to, I think what you were, uh, what this book is so important because I noticed like I'm in the sports world, as you know, and, you know, I'm an athlete representation. And, and one thing that I noticed, you know, that there's a women's movement, but it sometimes feels a little bit separate. All right. So now we're about to get into that episode, really. <laughs> and I'm like, talk to you about it because I don't know how much you know about sports, but as an expert in the field, have you noticed, like, what is your take on the state of like this, this women's movement going on? 
And then gender equality fight in general. What are your thoughts? I feel like I have some thoughts, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, Uh, it's real. I I have a lot of thoughts (laughs) on it. Um, You know, I obviously am not the expert that you are, but I did grow up playing sports um, up until um, college. And it's one of those things where even in those settings, I thought this was very much, you know, women's empowerment, you know, all, all things considered that, you know, if you have that talent again, that you can get ahead, but, but we see the same things play out in sports, especially I think with women. Um, Yeah. You can be as talented as you want to be, but you look at the, the women's soccer team, right. They still won countless championships and still don't have uh, equal pay, which is a shame. And um, so it's one thing too. and, And, and also I will say, I think it's really great that that conversation is at the forefront, but what ends up happening is um, oftentimes at the forefront of those movements, women's movements, it's white women are at the front of it. And I, I know that it's important that, you know, we have some representation, but again, I think what's missing from uh, many of these movements is representation of all women or those who consider themselves women, because so many voices get left behind. And we, and we see that regardless of industry, right? And so I think it's really important that we talk about intersectionality because, um, you know, if you look at the just the pure st- stats, white women make more than black women. And so, you know, we have to talk about all of these different sections of, of parity. And so um, I think it's important that we have it, but I, I don't think that we've um, been humanized enough to know that women includes us too on the larger stage. I don't know how you feel about it in the sports world. Yeah. And that's so true. Like you said about humanizing, um, you know, black women, cause that, that really hit me when you said that. But another thing that I've noticed and, and it's like, I know from my personal experience and those of my colleagues, like a lot of times it's like you have, most sports are predominantly black. And a lot of times you will basically have, you know, either, you know, white women or just white people in general trying to box out other black people to represent or be around or cover black athletes. Like even from the media perspective, a lot of the black women who are, you know, very qualified, don't get the same credentials as their white counterparts. They don't get your access, um, you know, and, and even when it comes down to panels, I will notice, I'm like, how are we having a diversity, you know, panel with all white women, that is just as toned up, <laughs> like as, as all white men. You know what I mean? And even like one thing that I absolutely love that you talk about in the book too is that you don't just talk about women of color as far as it being black people. You talk about Latina women, Latin. I don't. I always mess it up. I don't know if it's Latinx or, but I, I want to you know make sure I'm being respectful. But and also Asian women and sometimes the stereotypes that even apply there. And that's just one of the things that I noticed. And whenever you will say, and whenever I'll even, and I don't know, uh, and I think you and I follow each other on Twitter. And if I sit there and talk about the disparity between feminism and and non-inclusive of, of women of color and feminism, the first thing people will tell me is, well, the, the fight is, is really about gender equality first. You know what I mean? Like, like, but I think that people use that as an excuse to be discriminatory. Just like, I mean, you're out in California. What the Silicon Valley say? Oh, 
lack of pipeline, right? When when it's when it's not found it, or they say it's not a a culture fit. Yeah, which is basically it's like our millennial people have found a way to discriminate discreetly. I don't know. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you hit it on the head. I think that's why I'm so like such a fierce advocate of uh, intersectionality and racial equality because when we say gender equality the people who benefit the most are still white men and women. And, and that is a way I think they use, some people use that language to, to kind of pacify us, but we still don't see the movement um, and the traction that we need. And I think it's, it's that time where we have to really rise up and say, Hey, um, you know, we're tired of being an addendum. Like, yeah, you know, you've given us some crumbs, but that's not good enough. <laughs> you know, and you look at and and you look at from the perspective and and I did an episode about this last summer how when you even look at the the movement in women's sports that was kind of like on the back of black women the WNBA is the longest standing professional women's league and when a W when the WNBA says we need to be paid equal people say but <laughs> right but. Right. You know what I mean? They say, but, but like you have soccer, hockey, all these, you know, women's leagues and they are constantly folding. They're not financially stable. And I'm not trying to knock it because I, I absolutely, you know, am a huge women's sports of all kind advocate, which everybody knows. But it's like you will see the disproportionate benefits that the U.S. soccer team receives based on the fight of these women of color. Yeah. You know Absolutely. I'm glad you said that because I think that, you know, like, for example, soccer has been at the forefront and you think of uh, Megan Rapinoe and I, I very much love her advocacy. But think about all the the black women that were fighting early on WNBA, you know, the Cheryl Swoops, all of those that came before. And you think like, you know, they just didn't have as large of a platform. They weren't given that right to be able to speak on it. And these women work just as hard as the men. And so I do think it's really important, again, that when we talk about women in sports or women in any industry, you know, what women are we talking about? You know, let's get mm -hmm. down to it. Yeah, exactly. So how do you, so, so let's talk about that. Like, as far as, you know, moving forward, um, how do you suggest you talk about building a squad, you even go into some of the politics and things like that, the dynamics, like, how do you think like women of sports can start applying these principles that you teach in this book? you know, in a, in a like actual proactive way um, and, and start getting more of what they want and, instead of less frustration. <laughs> yeah, we got plenty of that, uh, plenty of frustration. Uh, you know, I think it really does start with, with our mindset, right? Um, understanding that we are more than enough. We do, we've worked really hard to get here. So why wouldn't I want to be paid equally as someone doing the same job as me. And I think that for so long, you know, as women, we've just been kind of grateful to be here, happy to be here, and we don't push push a little bit. And I think um, the pushing has been looked at negatively, right? Like, oh, you're not grateful. And I think that you can still be great, gracious, you can still be humble and still get what you deserve, right? And only you know what that means. And, you know, I, I make the joke that, um, Ashanti, she has a song called Foolish, and she says, all the things that we accept be the things that we regret. And I don't want us as women to be, you know, rocking in our chairs, regretting all the things we never said, right? Regretting all the things that we never advocated for. So if if money is important to you, then every time you have the opportunity, you need to ask for more, right? No one's going to just, 
it's very rare that someone's going to tap you on the shoulder and be like, here's your extra check. You know what I mean? Um, Or if you have an evaluation, you know, that you received and you know that you worked really hard, but yet you got, you know, a low end on the scale, it's up to you to make sure that you advocate for yourself. So at least it's documented that, hey, actually, I was doing X, Y, and Z, even though you may not have been, you know, paying attention to the work. And I think it's all about the, the, excuse me, the delivery. Um, But we have to, because we are our best advocates. If we're the captain of our team, then it's up to us to, to lead the plays, right? And say, what's what? And I think for so long, we've, you know, just silenced ourselves. So learn to, let's learn to quantify our worth and articulate our value because people aren't going to know if they don't hear it from us. Yes, I love that because, um, and that's one of the biggest things too that um, I would do in corporate America and I still do it now. Um, I think that a lot of women don't realize the true value of quantifying their worth and really taking notes of all of their accomplishments and tooting their own horn. Because like whenever a guy walks into a meeting, you ever notice like he loves to tell you, oh, you know, I, I did this many deals and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, you know, what I mean? <laughs> you know, what I mean? and like, you know, I, I just want to let you know, like I, I, I do a trillion dollars, like, you know, mm-hmm. and so, <laughs> you know, and, um, and a lot of, and I got brothers and I, I kid you not, like my brother, he loves to tell you about, you know, how many loans he's done and blah, 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 blah. So like, you know, and I love him to death, but women don't do that. Like a lot of times women, we will lead with our, I think, capability essentially, because mm-hmm. like you said, we're so used to uh, having to either prove ourselves to be there or, or just like happy to be there and sometimes having that fraud syndrome, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but like, you got to just kind of come in guns blazing, you know, when it comes down to those numbers, I think that it would, people can't argue with that. They can't, they can't argue with the, with the facts. Right. And I think that it's up to us because we go home frustrated, right? We go home like, man, why didn't I? And I know it's uncomfortable for many of us. Um, but we have to shake through the nerves, right? We gotta, we gotta do it. It'll become natural with practice. (laughs) So another thing I want to ask you about is, and I don't know if I'm I'm calling it the right thing, but it's like job steering. So one of my good friends, um, you know, uh, she used to work for the NFL and she was doing um, special events for the NFL. And one of the things that she used to always talk about was when she wanted to seek higher positions. And when I tell you this woman is well qualified, you know, it's like they would always try to steer her into lower marketing, event-driven type of roles. Have you noticed that like with women of color or does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, that like episode, right? Of uh, <laughs> because I, I think for, for black women and women of color, we do hit like a ceiling. So for example, at the top of the show, Christy, you mentioned that, you know, when you were in corporate America, you were on the fast track, you were raising. And many of us, we, they see that we're so capable, we're so ambitious, we're all the things and we get to a certain point. And then when we get there, they're like, Ooh, she's doing too much. Right. It's like yeah. a pet to threat. And we got to have to sit her down and, and put her in this place. And I think that's why you see a lot of black women in particular hit middle management level. That's like as far as many of us go. Um, and, you know, that's unfortunate. But I think that um, this is the part where back to self-advocacy, right? When we have the agenda, when we let our bosses know, actually, that's not what I want to do. And I think about even in my career, 
different things I said yes to because I thought, well, if my manager asked me to do this, then he knows best. And it's like, actually, he may not know what's best for me. He doesn't know always what my career goals were. And I took some some positions in some roles that I should have never probably been in, right? And I think that we are steered that way because many of our, the stats say that 70% of managers, uh, well, at least women of color feel like 70% of their managers are not invested in their success. And so if you think about it in that way, we're getting steered a lot of different directions that we don't want to be. And so again, it goes back to taking control and saying, hey, actually, this is what I want and, and this is where I'd like to go. And if we're not going to be able to do that here, then you got to figure out where what table is right for you. I agree with you. And one thing I've always said, and even though it sounds a little bit, you know, kind of, you know, cutthroat when I always tell women, be loyal to your progress. Don't yeah. sit there and anybody. I remember one of the other mistakes that I made when I was in corporate was being loyal to, um, you know, the managing partner. And, you know, I think that, I, and then I just eventually kind of broke away from that because, you know, Minda, like you sit there and again, he was trying to keep me at a certain role in a certain pace state, you know, and I, and I was like, Hey, you know, I want to go above and beyond that. Like, you know, even just like perfect example, which, you know, it's, I've said it on the podcast many times, I'm launching a venture fund. Um, you know what I mean? So that I can invest in women and women of color and things like that. But it was like, I wasn't going to have the opportunities to learn finance or do anything like that, you know, up, up under him. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, because it was like, oh, like you started off as a marketing person and now you're the best marketing person, which is essentially what a marketing director is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> and I didn't want to just be marketing. Like, you know, I, I was like, no, like, let's actually, you know, pull some purse strings here. Let's make some decisions. Like, I wanted to do more. And I think women, you know, and I tell my friends all the time, both white and black, be loyal to your progress, girl. Don't, don't get caught up. <laughs> I really love that. That's a that's a tweetable. Be loyal to your progress, and that's the truth, right? That we put so much stock in other people preparing uh, to, to to put the path out for us, right? Like it's like, no, you know what you want. You know that this isn't what you want. You know, so don't go along with with this guy who, who is getting what he wants. You know, so I appreciate um, you asking that question and talking about it because I think sometimes we just need to be reminded, like look at what you've done, look at what you have and look what's, look at the potential. You think about so many women <clears throat> who retired with so much potential, right? They didn't really get to use everything they had because people stifled them. And it, we don't want to be in those, in those roles, you know, and doing that. So I really do applaud you for, for using your voice in that way. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I really applaud you even for like stepping out and writing this book, you know, and I think that like when you wrote this book, I think it made it so much more, uh, I think, relatable to women of color, because I think another thing that you mentioned a lot of times is that a lot of women of color feeling lost in not understanding how to navigate and how to progress and things like that. And I think that you made it and you laid it out for them. Um, I, one of the things that I noticed that you talked about in the politics section was about uh, actually becoming friends, like, you know, and to a degree, mm -hmm. because we're so isolated in general as a culture, you know what I mean? Because yeah. just society just naturally isolates people of color. Like they're like, all right, y'all are here, like, you know, but but let's not really talk about it. Like, you know what I mean? That whole seen and not heard thing. Yeah. 
And, uh, and, and you encourage going out to the happy hour, showing face, like getting like, you know, not just working your ass off, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you think about it like right now, for example, um, and not to like call anybody out who hasn't been, you know, networking. Uh, I know we kind of hate that word sometimes, but you think about if you felt invisible several weeks ago, get on these Zoom calls now and you might feel even more like nobody's paying attention to you, like you didn't make the relationships. And it's like, you know, the people who were go-tos in the office are still go-tos in virtual, right? So we got to be the go-to people too. And that sometimes requires us to go to the virtual happy hours, to go to the the, the book clubs, all the things that we may not want to do, because that's where decisions are made. People aren't always getting ahead because they came in early <clears throat> and stayed in late. It's because they shared some key keys a few times, right? They had, they, they, you know, you don't have to, to drink to, to be seen. And so I think we just sometimes get in our own way because we think that our hard work will, will be the, the telltale sign. And unfortunately, that's just not the environment that in which many of us work. I 100% agree. And I mean, and I'm not going to lie. I feel like, you know, most of my success you know, growing up like in the in the corporate world and just in the business world has been because of my networking. Like, I mean, like you even said, like I I graduated from Cleveland State. I mean, it, but I was able to build out the the Yale and the Harvard and the mm-hmm. Stanford type of network. You know, without going to those schools. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it was like I took I took that seriously into for a degree. And I remember my mom used to tell me all the time, like you know, your, your work will speak for you because, you know, our parents have an older school mentality, but I was like, mom, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, you know, like, like it doesn't, like, I gotta come out here. There used to be this PGA event, um, out in like the Akron area. I think it was called like Firestone or something like that, but like, you know, you gotta go pay the, you know, $8,000 for the tickets and entertain Bob and you know what I mean? Do the thing, (laughs) you know? (laughs) You got to, you got to become friends with Bob. You just got to. <laughs> Bob That's what to know your name, okay? If you don't get anything out of this, <laughs> take Bob to golf. <laughs> yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and even like the goofy stuff. Like I mean, like to like you said, the participation. Um, I ended up joining a club called like the Bowtie Club, and like every month it was like this bow tie dinner and like you said like you know don't come into the office and it's like on halloween and they're doing it you're like oh no you know and and then at that point they're like they're they may laugh it off and it's like oh yeah you know she doesn't you know participate and they try to laugh it off but it stings them and then it it shows up in little kind of microaggression retaliation Mm -hmm. when it's time to you know promote (laughs) they're like he's not a team player because she didn't she didn't put cookies on her desk. You know, it's like these little silly things that have, and, and we're like, that's stupid. Who would think like that? But this is the workplace we work in. Right. This is America. <laughs> Where finesse wins over merit. Yeah, Essentially. Well, Minda, I really appreciate you like taking the time. So I, I want to, um, cause like I told you, um, it's going to be 30 minutes. I don't want to you know, uh, you know, take up all your time or your morning. So I really appreciate you even coming on the podcast. One thing that I'm going to do, um, like I was telling you before, um, three listeners are going to get, um, uh, copies of the memo memo via Kindle 
or Audible, whichever one you prefer, once you tell me. So I'm going to share it on Twitter. And, you know, uh, the first three people to share it are going to get a copy of the memo. Um, just because I think all women need to need, need it, whether you're white or black. I mean, we need to have more black women, you know, speaking in this personal development space. So where can they find you at? Yes. Thank you for your generosity. You know, I, success is not a solo sport and, and this book wouldn't be successful without women like yourself and people supporting it. So thank you. Um, and also you can find me at mindahearts.com or I'm most active on Twitter at Minda Hearts. Okay, perfect. And then also what's next? I saw you're doing some stuff with leanin.org and all this other stuff. So please tell them like where they can find you. Like, you, you know, this isn't like, you know, she just wrote a book. Like this is literally like, she's in all the circles of personal development where it definitely matters. So where, where can they find you at? Yeah. Uh, thank you. So the best place is if you do go to mindahearts.com, sign up for my virtual book club. Um, you'll get a list of all my public events, but also too, um, if you have Instagram every Thursday at 4 PM Eastern time, I am doing, um, memo Thursdays where I read from the book and I answer questions and talk with you. So, you know, come find me, come, come hang out. Oh, I love it. I'm gonna come hang out too. (laughs) I am, I am. I'm gonna come hang out. And, um, you know, and also like, you know, if you ever get out to Ohio, I'll take you to golf. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Let's, let's get with, let's see Bob and let's go have some golf. Okay. (laughs) Thanks so much, Minda. I really appreciate it. Thank you too. All right.